Hey everybody, it is a new year, a new election season, and welcome to our news show. I'm Paul Lisnick, and each Sunday right here on WGN, we will take you inside the issues. I'm Tamon Bradley. Away we go, Paul. From City Hall to Springfield and all the way to Washington, this is WGN-TV Political Report. we got a great show for you today. Coming up, people should be proud to be a Chicagoan. Finding a path forward in an ever-changing city, we go one-on-one -on -one with Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Plus... It's about moving forward with criminal justice and public safety. It's time for change. It's the race to watch ahead of the March primary. Can Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox win over voters after a tumultuous first term? And keeping an eye on corruption at the State House. How an email from a confidant to House Speaker Michael Madigan is making waves across Illinois. Now, there's no shortage of challenges facing Chicago this year. Another looming budget shortfall, turmoil inside CPD, the threat of gun violence hanging over the city's underserved neighborhoods. Well, Mayor Lori Lightfoot still looking to bring her brand of change to a city on the brink. Here's our exclusive one-on-one -on -one from the fifth floor of City Hall. Mayor Lightfoot, first of all, can I thank you for being on our inaugural program? Well, congratulations on the show, and I'm happy to be here. All right, let's get down to work. Okay. Uh, one of your top priorities for the year ahead, obviously, is going to be summer violence, getting the police department to a better place under the consent decree. And I did review uh, an op-ed that you co-authored with Charlie Beck, talking about falling crime rates for three years in a row. I'm just sort of curious, obviously, if it's been three years, that means some credit goes to your predecessor, Rahm no, Emanuel, Eddie Johnson. What's your thought? No, of course. Um, Look, every mayor's number one priority is public safety. Um, and there was a lot of work that um, clearly was done um, before I was sworn in as mayor. The approach is different. Um, and we um, decided that we needed to take a much more holistic, all hands on deck approach um, and involve um, other stakeholders in the process of public safety. So we're not just relying upon the police department uh, law enforcement first and only strategy. And I started that really during uh, the transition. We had summer public safety cabinet meetings, not just meetings with the police department. So we involved the schools, the parks, uh, the libraries, and also our infrastructure departments. Um, because in talking with uh, former Superintendent Johnson, and from my own experience, I knew that we needed a lot more resources to be able to get at the root causes of crime and make sure that we were laying foundation for long-term reductions in shootings, shooting incidents, and, and homicides. So part of that equation has to be expectations or demands that come from the mayor's office. Can you outline for me, say, three things that you've required of the department to make these changes? Well, number one was um, making sure that they were working seamlessly with other city partners, as I said before, the parks, the schools, the libraries, the infrastructure departments. The other thing is really using the tools that they had effectively from um, all of the data that they have. They've got great data, data analytics, making sure that we're using the technology fixes um, and then being nimble and making the adjustments that are necessary. One other thing that we'll be doing for this summer um, and really this year is making sure that district commanders in particular have all the resources they need to be effective. 
Right now, a lot of the resources that go into fighting crime at the district level are actually outside of the district, whether at the um, area level and specialized units. That doesn't make sense to me. I don't want any district commander to have to, in effect, say, mother may I, when he needs more resources to be able to address um, crime and other things that are happening in his particular district. You're trying to get a lot of uh, effort into the Invest Southwest program, want to get that off the ground, $250 million in new money, business, infrastructure improvements. How do you get people to buy into that and shift away from a cycle of violence and realize this is what they've got to do? Well, I think people are bought into it. What they've been lacking is leadership from the mayor's office. We had our first public engagement session right before the holidays. We had 500 people that showed up at King, Kennedy King um, College. And the reason is, is that we're not starting from a blank piece of paper. We're taking the efforts that are already ongoing in neighborhoods and we're asking uh, stakeholders to co-curate a solution with us. And I think that's been um, wildly uh, um, uh, successful so far. But the proof is in the pudding, as I say to my team. We need to make sure not, that we're not just saying it, that we're not just engaging, but we're doing it. So we've got to come to do, and the do is to actually show people that we've got shovel-ready projects, um, that we're making good on the commitments that we've made, and that they're, they see themselves as part of the solution. When you went down to Springfield, people were lined up down the hallways to, to take a picture with the new mayor. There was a lot of excitement, but you didn't get what you wanted. Because yeah. uh, casinos, it, uh, well, 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 you know what? There goes the question. As you say, you didn't get it yet. But let me first ask you, what did you learn from the experience? Did you ever thought you would go down there and because of this sort of magic about the new mayor, you'd get what you wanted? No, look, it's all about building relationships. And I'm not arrogant enough to think that just because I sit in this office and hold um, this responsibility that people um, in Springfield, particularly folks outside of Chicago, are going to magically um, get, lay leaves at our, our feet. No, it's about building relationships, building credibility. I've been down to Springfield. I'll go down to Springfield because I want them to see me, get to know me, understand what our priorities are. But I know there's no shortcut and we've got to do the hard work. And while we did come up short in the veto session, we were very, very close in an environment where the very first day of veto session, we found out that a senior member of the House had been arrested by the federal authorities related to gaming. So the fact that we were even in play and we only came five votes short in the House from uh, moving this on to the Senate and to the governor's desk, I feel pretty good about that. But we're not rusting on the past. We are diligently moving forward as aggressively as we can because getting the casino is mission critical to the financial future of our city. Chicagoans watching us want to say, but if they don't give you what you're looking for, should we buckle up for a property tax increase? Well, I I'm going to be optimistic and in, in with partnership of the governor, um, leadership in the House and Senate, I think we can get this done. And keep in mind, and you know this, this isn't just about Chicago. We are the economic engines of the state. We're losing $260 million every year to Indiana. And God bless the Hoosiers, but that money is better served here in the state of Illinois. And the vertical capital um, that, uh, construction plan that many downstaters are looking for, 40% of that is funded by Chicago Casino. So it's time for us to come together and unite around something that actually benefits the entirety of our state.
Uh, let me talk about your style as mayor. You came in certainly with a honeymoon period, and a lot of people are very intrigued about working with you. But over the time, you've, you've got some distractors too. You have aldermen like Raymond Lopez. You've got uh, the F some FOP issues, teachers union. You shut Ed Burke down in the very first meeting, which really, uh, really caught note in, in a lot of people. Do the conflicts you have in any way inhibit your abilities to get things done? No, they're always going to be critics. I mean, if you look at historically political figures over time, whether it's here or in other countries, there's always going to be critics. But, you know, as, as uh, Roosevelt said, it's not the critic who counts. What matters is being in the arena, being in the fight, making sure that I'm speaking my values every single day. I got an incredible mandate from the people of the city to bring change to the way in which Chicago does business inside of city government but also outside. I don't forget that and I'm going to do everything that I can every day and every policy, every decision to make good on the mandate that the voters gave me. I know you met with Mike Bloomberg this week. He told WGN that, that you couldn't have been nicer and he wants your endorsement. Does he get it? Well, I haven't made a decision yet on um, endorsing anybody. I'm obviously watching the race very, very closely. Uh, and Bloomberg brings a lot to the table, not, not the least of which is he's a mayor um, who understands how to get things done and probably one of the most complex um, cities in the world. I uh, admire the philanthropic work that he's done. Um, I think that that really speaks to who he is as a person. Um, I like the team that he has around him, but I'm not prepared to make any endorsement yet. Finally, before I let you go, I just have to ask you, a year ago, it was private citizen Lightfoot, and you know, here you are today in a whirlwind. Can you identify for me, what has surprised you most in your transition from being private citizen to very public figure? Well, I, I won't say that there's been any particular uh, surprises. I'm an old trial lawyer, so I believe in being prepared, and I did a lot of diligence. But well, I'll tell you what um, I'm reminded of. I'm reminded of the fact that there are really great things happening all over our city and great people who are doing them. But I know that what we need to do a better job of is telling those stories. We as a city need to reclaim our narrative, not just to the external world, although that's important. We gotta talk about our businesses, we gotta talk about the great talent pool that we have here of workers, but we also need to reclaim our narrative for ourselves. So many people, even in difficult circumstances, are doing the Lord's work every day, but people don't know about it. And we've got to tell that story so that people understand we're a great city, we've got a lot of great things going on, a lot of strengths, and people should be proud to be a Chicagoan. You know, Taman, I wasn't sure a year ago whether a law firm partner who becomes mayor of the third largest city in the country would be up to the challenge. Agree or disagree with her policies, she's got the strength to do the job. She's very tough. You have to be tough to be mayor of Chicago. And she wants to tell a good story. And certainly with the violence numbers, she now owns that with Eddie Johnson gone, now looking for a superintendent. Really nice to have her as our first oh, yeah. guest. We're going to take our first break. Coming up next on the WGN TV Political Report. She has a record now she has to run on. And in my opinion, it's not a very good record. What kind of world do I want my daughter to grow up in? A closer look at the candidates in the race for Cook County State's Attorney. And still to come, is it the end of red light cameras in Illinois? Why corruption in Springfield is prompting Illinois controller Susan Mendoza to act. Now, a closer look at the biggest local election prize on primary day, March 17th, Cook County State's Attorney. 
There are four Democrats on the ballot. The incumbent is Kim Fox. In 2016, Fox soundly defeated two-term state's attorney Anita Alvarez in the fallout of the shooting of teen Laquan McDonald. Expectations for the former chief of staff to Tony Preckwinkle were soaring. She pledged criminal justice reform and public safety, but her term has been marked by controversy. Critics think she's too lenient on criminals. I've been truthful and consistent on every single level since day one. And then there's the Jesse Smollett saga. A special prosecutor is probing Fox's decision to abruptly drop the charges against the actor. That episode inspired Bob Filretti to launch a challenge. Kim Fox has been an embarrassment to everyone in this uh, county, and she has created issues. Uh, the Jesse Smollett case is just a tip of the iceberg. Her coddling of violent uh, felonies and violent offenders, her coddling of uh, contributors and, and what she does on shoplifters. Uh, the time is, we need change here. Phil Reddy is not a new face. The former second ward alderman and civil rights attorney ran unsuccessfully for Cook County Board President and Chicago Mayor. He made a splash challenging Fox's petitions to get on the ballot. His attorneys allege addresses don't match the signee. Fox's attorneys say there's no evidence to support the claims. Meantime, first-time candidate Bill Conway is well-funded and on the attack. When I was really thinking about getting into this race, there were some things that I just did not like that were happening in that office. For example, you know, she's, she brought politics into that office and just hasn't done enough to really get after the gun crime epidemic that we have here in, in, in Chicago and in Cook County. And also, you know, I, I just think we can do, we can really balance our criminal justice reform efforts a lot better than we're doing now. Politics in the office, what do you mean? Well, you know, we've seen a couple instances where politically connected people seem to be getting better deals. You know, uh, Jesse Smollett is very well known, you know, but Ed Burke now people are talking about. And what happened in that case is in, you know, in August of uh, 2016, after she got the uh, nomination, uh, you know, she held a fundraiser at his house. And then August of 2017, you know, when she was already the state's attorney, signed off on a property tax rebate to him of $2 million. Fox's office says she was not directly involved in those settlements, but it's not stopping Conway from raising the topic in one of his TV ads. Also in the hunt, Donna Moore. She sought the Democratic nomination four years ago. She's touting her experience as assistant state's attorney, assistant U.S. attorney, and also general counsel to the Illinois Gaming Board and her work in private practice. This job is all about judgment and experience. It's about legal experience. This is you are the head of, in essence, a 900-person law firm. And if you haven't been in the trenches, if you haven't done the kinds of cases that your assistants are doing in the branch courts in a 26 in California, it's very hard to have the experience um, to make the right legal decisions, not political decisions legal decisions. And I think what's happened over the course of four years is we've seen she doesn't have the experience and judgment to make legal decisions that benefit the citizens of Cook County. And so we go back to Fox. She's emphasizing her bio, a girl from Cabrini-Green who understands the plight of black and brown communities, a champion of low-level marijuana conviction expungements. She points to numbers showing gun and violent crime prosecutions are up, but she admits she did not handle the Smollett matter well. When was the moment you realized you messed up? 
You know, when I came in the office, we had one of the bloodiest years in the city of Chicago in almost 20 years. And when I looked at our resources, we realized that we were spending far too many of our resources on low-level offenses and not enough going after gun violence. And for us, we made a priority to use our resources for violent offenses and for cases that could be dealt with outside of the justice system, we would do that. Um, and this case was treated like the thousands of other cases similar to that. What is your explanation to the voters? You know, my explanation is this. In 2016, we had over 760 people who were killed in the city of Chicago alone. We had over 4,000 people who were shot. And when I looked at how we were using our resources, the number one cases that were referred to our office by law enforcement weren't gun cases. They weren't homicides. They were low-level offenses. And what I know is that people want to keep their children and their community safe. Paul is back. Let's size this thing up. The Democratic establishment is rallying around Fox. Yeah, Taman, you want to think about what resonates with voters. You asked Fox when she realized she messed up. She didn't really answer that question. You couple that with attacks from all of her challengers. Donna Moore thinks she's going to avoid the fray by highlighting the law firm nature of the state's attorney's office. That might not land well with voters or even lawyers. And Fox is not the only person taking attacks. Donna Moore is on the offensive. She is raising issues about Conway's private equity work and his donations from one of the world's wealthiest law firms. I don't think money is a substitute for qualifications. And I don't think that the people of Cook County think that money is a substitute for qualifications. I think we're all a little tired of pay to play. And that's what that is, paying to buy an office. Well, money won't substitute for qualifications, though it will buy TV time in order to make your case with voters and get them familiar with your positions. In fact, Conway already doing that. He's got the most money in this campaign in his war chest right now. Let's take a quick look at the numbers with Tamon. According to the latest totals, Bill Conway has amassed over $5.2 million for the fight ahead. Most of the folks are behind, or all of the folks are behind him. He's on top. Kim Fox has about $1.3 million on hand. The others trailing way behind. Well, Conway, he's talking about his military experience in one of his commercials. Conway says he came under fire while leading an intelligence team in Afghanistan. It was worth seeking clarity, and so we asked him. So I left my housing uh, where I was, and I was walking across a field to get a cup of coffee. And I got about 20% through the field, and all of a sudden the rocket alarm comes off. Uh, uh, uh. Incoming, incoming, incoming. So I did what I was trained to do. I immediately got on my stomach. I remember my heart was beating, and I'm trying. I saw a bunker about 50 yards away, and I started trying to crawl towards that bunker. But I had a 40-pound bulletproof vest on, so I wasn't wasn't getting uh, there very fast. So I stood up and crouch ran into the bunker. The alarm continued to blare. I got it. I got in that bunker. Heard a lot of commotion outside, heard, felt, you know, my heart beating the whole time. Uh, and then after about 15 minutes of that, we, uh, the, we got the all clear sounds. And, you know, that is a um, incident that I think about every day. When I think about that and, and, you know, the trauma that was for me, that's nothing compared to what some kids are going through in some of our neighborhoods. Well, Tamon Conway getting his first taste of the personal criticism that comes along with running for office. Point is, you got to build trust with voters, and we'll see if he passes that test. All right, Paul, that is the Democratic field. There are two Republican candidates, Christopher Fan Cook and Pat O'Brien. We hope to talk to them soon. All right, coming up after the break. 
it's disgusting, right? It's, it's, I think, on its face, corrupt. Maybe it's not illegal, but it should be. How red light cameras have caught the attention of Illinois controller Susanna Mendoza. Don't go anywhere. If you drive in Chicago or the surrounding suburbs, chances are you've seen one of these. It's the dreaded red light camera that drivers love to hate. Critics have long said the device is nothing more than a major money grab by local governments. Late last year, federal authorities uh, proved companies in control like SafeSpeed are ripe for corruption in a state that's known for it. SafeSpeed has become the focus of a federal probe that led to raids on the offices and home of former state Senator Martin Sandoval and a slew of others as well. This week, Illinois controller Susana Mendoza announced her office would stop helping suburbs collect red light camera fines with some of the local township mayors and some of the different municipal employees who are connected to what I would essentially say is a really, really a violation of taxpayer trust. I mean, you've got uh, a municipal employee who has acknowledged that he receives a percentage of, every, of, of the revenue from every single ticket from a red light um, that is issued in certain municipalities with this program. 95% of these tickets are not issued for serious violations and they end up costing people their entire tax return at times. And that's just, it's overly onerous, especially for the poor communities and communities of color. All right, one more break. Then the latest scandal to ensnare the state capitol. An email from a powerful lobbyist sets off sharp response from both sides of the aisle. We continue to monitor the bombshell WBEZ report that rocked state politics this week. In 2012, powerful Springfield lobbyist and close friend of House Speaker Madigan, Michael McLean, urged aides to then-Governor Pat Quinn to avoid firing a worker who had kept his mouth shut about a rape and a ghost payroll. GOP leaders called the email horrific and pushed for legislative hearings. Speaker Madigan shot that down. The Champaign County State's Attorney is looking into the matter. All right, that's our first show. Looking forward to doing in-depth uh, reporting with you every week tomorrow. Every single week. What are we going to do? <laughs> well, next week we're going to have outgoing Senate President John Cullerton and House Republican Leader Jim Durkin. See you then. Bye-bye.